You're listening to Dr. Ward Bond's Life-Changing Wellness, the fastest-growing natural health, nutrition, and inspiration podcast in the nation. Uplifting stories, powerful messages, and triumph over adversity, the experience of entertainment and encouragement is about to begin. And now your host, Dr. Ward Bond. When it comes to the Troubadour lifestyle, Ian Flanagan is a pro. And for the last decade, Ian has toured across America with a country sound reminiscent of Joe Cocker and Chris Stapleton. Singer, songwriter, a celebrated finalist on NBC's The Voice, the world has since tapped him as an up-and-coming artist to watch. Now, following a year of milestones, Ian Flanagan is overwhelmingly grateful for the response to his most recent single, Grow Up, featuring Blake Shelton and released under Reviver Music. And Blake Shelton called Ian Flanagan a once-in-a-lifetime vocalist and the most unique voice maybe I've ever heard on The Voice. Usher called him a top gun, and Gwen Stefani said, Nobody has a voice that sounds like that. It's just so rare. So let's welcome one of the most distinct voices in music today to talk about his current single, Under the Southern Sky, and more, music's newest superstar, Ian Flanagan. How are you doing, Ian? Hey, good morning. Thank you so much for having me here. That's quite the intro. I appreciate the kind words. <laughs> well, I, t- I tell you what, I absolutely fell in love with not only your music, but I fell in love with your story. And uh, I want to kind of step back before, uh, you know, the whole voice thing happened. But in 2019, you sold everything you had, bought a Winnebago, and you and your partner and daughter hit the road. Was that you just chasing your dream? Yeah, you know, I've been fortunate enough in life to um, find my passion really young. I've been pursuing music since I was 11. And um, my partner, my fiance now, and my stepdaughter, they were always, you know, into the adventure lifestyle as well. And yeah, 2019, which we were thinking about the other day, it happens fast. Um, My fiance, Ayla, she got in a car accident and she ended up needing to have a spinal fusion, fusion surgery which led us to like really kind of evaluating where we were and what what mattered and our priorities. So we ended up just deciding to take the adventure together. We sold everything we had and yeah, we bought a 24 foot Winnebago that we called the Flanavan and we got out of there before winter came because I'm from upstate New York and that's where winter kind of stays for about half a year. So when you hit the road, I mean, uh, were you literally just... uh bar hopping from gig to gig and just seeing what you could do out there on the road? Yeah, I've always been an independent artist. I'm a songwriter first. And the way I would normally do it is I would go, I used to travel anywhere down to North Carolina, to Florida, to Texas is where I really got my start out in Kerrville. And um, I'd go anywhere they'd have me in the country. And at that time I was doing it out of a Honda Accord. So I would sleep in a car or whatever, wherever I could. And at that point, we were like, you know what, we just had the determination and we believed that we could do it. We set out to Arizona and our model to survive it all because, you know, you need money and it's expensive out there is we would post up in state parks or campgrounds and I would work there along with Ayla in trade for a free place to stay. So I would work campgrounds, state parks, and um, I towed a car and I would drive out to any show that would have me. And that's how we traveled the country. And we made our, you know, we had our stepdaughter selling merch. So it was a good family business. You know, I'm, I, I am very impressed because I love hearing people who can self-motivate, have a strong worth, uh, 
ethic. And I think a lot of the young people that are watching and listening can learn from you to just get out there and do something. And uh, man, wow, you're doing it. But I've got to ask you a question about your voice. I know everybody talks about your voice. So when did that voice come into play here? I mean, were yeah. you a high-pitched young kid and then puberty hit and all of a sudden you're, you're sound, sounding uh, with this whiskey-soaked voice all of a sudden? You know, I, I remember being in, like in my teens and really trying, because you know, mainstream music and everything you hear is really for males in a tenor range, which is pretty high. Like I'm a baritone, complete baritone. And I'm not a bass, but a baritone is much lower than a tenor. And I used to strain my voice so badly trying to sing the songs I heard and trying to sound like everybody else because it's just not my range. And um, the raspy thing, I don't know if it's if I should give a tribute to the decade of dive bars that I've been screaming my head off in since I was a kid. Or um, it's funny because my uncles, they have the raspiest voice, way raspier than me. So I think it might be... Like if I called my uncle right now, he'd be like, hello. <laughs> so uh, it might run in the family too. I don't know. Well, you know, uh, I rem- you know, we'll get, we're going to get to the voice, but you know, so many people uh, kind of compare you to compare your voice to people like Joe Cocker and Chris Stapleton. And I w- I've been listening to a lot of your songs and I'm sitting there thinking the, about the comparison. Joe Cocker was a little bit m- way more raspier but your your baritone voice to me is just smooth as glass. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that perspective. It, you know, and and you know, and I and I mean, my gosh, I, I'm so thankful for people like Chris Stapleton really coming onto the scene. Of course, you know, he was like you, you know, total songwriter, and then finally stepped in into the limelight there. But to oh, me, yeah. he brought country. He brought country back to country, and he really um, did. You know, and and he has a great voice too, and it's very distinct. But you know, I've got to agree with Blake Shelton and the rest of them. You have a voice that I think you've created your own category. You can't be compared Aww. to anybody else. Well, thank you so much, man. That means the world. I mean, that's and you're talking about some of my my complete idols. I remember being um, 20 years old doing a apprenticeship out in Colorado and where I got exposed to um, the steel drivers, which was Chris Stapleton's bluegrass group, or he was fronting them. And that was such an inspiring time in my life where, you know, that guy, he was like the most rock and bluegrass vocalist you could ever hear. And now he's become who he is. So it's just amazing. Well, you know, since the pandemic, you know, it hit all the recording acts very, very hard. And you only had $90 to your name. Then the opportunity to audition for The Voice came along. Sounds like a miracle moment to me, but how did that happen? Yeah, and it was actually, uh, it was technically in the 80s. It was um, a bad time. <laughs> you know, I had one of the best, you know, just highs of my life where that February I got to um, be a part of Bob Schneider's uh, Valentine's Day show at Austin City Limits. He had me on as a guest and it was the highlight of our tour. Like we've been living in a van out in the woods, you know, for months. And like this came along from a Texas show buddy that I had met. And we, I remember we had driven to Nashville, flew back to Austin to do this show. Best night ever. We fly back to Nashville. The tornado hits East Nashville, just tragic. 
And that it was literally like the week of COVID where everybody's tours were just completely decimated. I lo I remember losing in February all my work through August within a week. And um, just like everybody else, you know, like everybody went through this. But I remember living in a van and we were just kind of like depleting the funds while I was working in this campground. My last show that was still there was an open mic at the Mercy Lounge in Nashville. And to be completely honest, I wasn't going to go. But my fiance was like, you got to get your butt up. You go to every show. We got to like finish strong, you know. And uh, that ended up being a scouting opportunity for The Voice. And uh, there was a scout from the show that asked if I wanted to be an alternate for that season. And apparently they have alternates that come in in case somebody gets um, sick or hurt. So I was fortunate enough. I said, yes, thank you. I just lost all my work for a year. So I will be there. And it really happened as as serendipitous as that. And I, that's why we always look at it as like a miracle moment. Well, how did you end up on the air? So if you were chosen as an alternate, so kind of what happened to where you got to appear before the judges? Yeah, you know, I don't really know. I went out there with a really open mindset and just gratitude and just being like, hey, this is an opportunity. I'm going to go in with a learning experience mindset. You know, I'm not here to have like an ego and win something. I'm here to just learn because here I'm just a van guy. You know, I'm a songwriter and I... I felt I had a lot to offer the world, but I didn't necessarily look at myself as a, um, you know, a Hollywood vocalist. So I went in there and I ended up auditioning the first day, like the first day they had blinds. I just, they had my name in the roster and there I was. And I was like, okay, here we go. Wow. Now I watched your audition and Blake was the only one that turned around, but I studied the other three you know, looking at the uh, the looks on their faces, trying to get inside their head what they were thinking about. And then Blake turned around. You know, he knew right then and there that you, you were the guy. And when the other three turned around, I was listening to what they had to say and all very complimentary. Uh, and then Kelly stated that uh, she, the only thing that she was worried about was the range. Why did you choose the song that you did the audition with? Why, why that particular song? Well, I really liked it. Before the show, I had, I think I had only ever done one cover song because um, somebody asked me to perform at their wedding. So I had learned a song and um, I just said, I have spent my whole life just writing music and I've gone out to the extreme sometimes where I was doing really alternative country, six minute long solo songs where I was just kind of out there and um, I was chasing something and I just didn't really get into covers that much because my voice never really fit. And I always had to um, completely transpose and rewrite them basically in order for me to deliver them with the same impact that the original key had. And um, that song, I just love Zach Brown band. Um, I knew it. I really associated with that song and they let me do a version of it that I made up. So I kind of got to transpose it same keys or I mean, same chord changes and everything. And it's their song, but I got to transpose it and it actually just felt okay. See, that's where to me, true talent shows up when you can take a song that is basically, you're going to be doing a cover of, but you make it your own to where people are listening. They're like, I know that song, but you make it your own that if it was put on the radio, they wouldn't even be comparing it to the original. And I love that. And wow, you really knocked it out of the park. And uh, so Blake Shelton chooses you. What was some of the uh, advice that Blake gave you on the show? 
Oh, you know, the whole time I was shocked. I got to say the entire point of the show, I had my bags packed every day. You know, I was like, I'm totally grateful that I got this far. Blake, and I remember Blake and I, we were alone at one of these um, songs. We were picking songs together. And I remember just being like, man, I, I can't really sing that high, you know? Like, and he's like, don't even focus on nobody. Nobody's got you here because of how high your voice is. <laughs> and I was like, that's a really good point. No one's expecting these super high notes from me, but he just really encouraged me to lean in to my originality and not second guess it and kind of just be authentic. And the one thing that I got from Blake the most is, you know, he is a really authentic guy and I respect him as a man and as a friend and all of his advice because he is who he is on and off camera. And I try to take that on while, while I was on the show as much as in life in general, just being yourself and, However, that comes out is the best you could have done. So, well, you know, all of America loves Blake Shelton. Just like you said, you know, he's the same person in front of the camera. He's the same person in front of the mic, and he's probably the same person he is if he's just sitting in a restaurant, kicking back. Yeah. You know, and uh, and that says a lot. And I can see where you know you have that that same um, attitude and. Oh. Um, Well, I I think I'm going to call it, you have that same vibe and you're very approachable. And what did all of the fan response mean to you when you were on The Voice? I I think, you know, at the time, just to be really honest about it all, I think I had been really beat up by being on the road for so long. And I, um, I think I was a little shocked that I was seeing so much positive stuff like to be to be fair you know my like i had done so much so much for so long that i never really gotten a really great response from like everybody always i book shows and i was constantly booking and working but i had never received that kind of love you could call it so i really just had so much gratitude i think it took me and sometimes i'm still kind of processing it even today but i think it took me a long time to really process it that that was like that much positive stuff. I've well, never experienced something like it. Well, what was your favorite song that you sang on The Voice? I really love the song In Color by Jamie Johnson. I really, really do love that song. I think that it's the best imagery. Um, I'm really jealous of the writers because it's the kind of imagery as a songwriter you, you're really shooting to shooting to, to get and capture in a song. Um, I still perform uh, anymore by Travis Tritt with my band a lot. I like, I love that one because it's just such a power ballad, like a country power ballad. But um, yeah, I'd say between those two, they were all so much fun though. It was a really great learning experience. Yeah, well, you know, you bring up Travis Tritt, I can almost hear a duet in the making between you and Travis. Almost kind of like the days when Travis and Marty Stewart would get together. Marty would be an awesome duet with Ian Flanagan. I can hear it. I could hear. I it. would love that anytime. If he's listening, let's do it. Well, and what is so funny is one of the first videos that I watched of you to prepare for this interview was the video that you did on "Have You Ever Seen the Rain." I was literally blown away with just you and the guitar. And I even went down through some of the comments on that video, and people were really making comments about, "Wow, you're a great guitar player." Do you ever feel that way? 
Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, thank you. First of all, thank you so much. I remember I was sitting in, um, I was actually in Texas when I wrote that. We were living in uh, McKinney State Falls Park. I'm sure you've heard of it. Oh, in yeah. So we were living there and that's where I did that video. Um, and I was just trying to recreate it and make it make it different, but play with the guitar harmonics. And in certain places, I feel like I'm more of a guitar player. And then other places, I'm more of a singer. It depends on the crowd that I'm with and the, the caliber of musicians. There are some places I don't play because they're just the best guitarists in the world. So, <laughs> Oh, I, I can imagine. I've interviewed so many guitarists, and, and that happens with a lot of people. Uh, sorry about that. <laughs> no worries. That's what airplane mode's for. I should use it. But no. Uh, your guitar, I want to ask you this real quick. What are the letters on the front of your guitar? Is there a meaning to those letters? Yeah. So I, I used to build instruments for a day job. I apprenticed in Colorado to, to build acoustic guitars as a, as a younger kid. And then I ended up building Spectre basses in Woodstock, New York, which is my hometown, uh, for about seven years. Cause it was the only job that would let me disappear for a couple months and come right back to work. They were great with that. Um, but yeah, I got to a point where I was like, I really want to incorporate my fans and like my friends and people that are supporting this. And that's when I was doing a totally independent. I did like an Indiegogo where you could crowdsource the money to make your record. So as one of the, um, I guess the perks that you could get, like if you donated a, like 50 bucks to the record, I'd wood burn your, um, your initials onto my guitar so that wherever I was playing, you're Nate, you're with me on the stage. So every single person that made my first records come true was on the voice stage with me the whole time. And I really, really loved that. That is the coolest thing I think I've ever heard. I mean, and it's very distinct because, you know, every photo that I see you with that guitar, I was the whole time I'm thinking, what do those letters mean? And yeah. uh, I think the design just of the letters alone uh, turned out great. You know, I can almost see a guitar company coming to you one day with a, a signature line. And that would be awesome. Be the, yeah, that'll be the Ian Flanagan signature model with all of the letters around that acoustic guitar. But let's talk about this amazing new single you have, Under the Southern Sky. Uh, oh, yes. What was the uh, motivation behind it? This is a big collaboration, that song. That was a song that, you know, we found and I, I instantly was like, I want to sing this on the record and I want to just really bring this summer anthem positive vibe. Like my whole thing right now is just bring positivity and good energy into the world through music. And this was one of those songs where I was like, we got to cut this. Wow. Now, I've, I've listened to the song over and over again, you know, and, you know, Everybody loves the song Grow Up, but mm -hmm. uh, uh, Under the Southern Sky, man, I think if you really hit it out of the ballpark with that song. And uh, for all of you out there in country radio, this is something you need to be adding to your daily playlist, Ian Flanagan's Under the Southern Sky. So take it from me, play that song <laughs> all the time. All right. Um, when are we going to see a full length album from you? Well, we actually have, uh, we are officially done with it. It's, um, I finished a full length record this past month. It's mastered, mixed, mixed, mastered, and on its way being printed. We're actually printing it now. The full length record is going to be released September 2nd. And um, there's a brand new single coming off it 
that we're really, really excited about. It's called Last Name On It, which is going to be dropping in about two weeks. So we're very, very excited. Oh, uh, well, I will tell you this. You need to come back on the show and we will debut that brand new album. And again, ladies and gentlemen, remember, what do we do on this show when we talk about music? You buy it. You don't download it for free. <laughs> you buy that music. You buy those concert tickets. And in this case, you buy the Ian Flanagan merch on top of it. So uh, keep That's that a great in- show. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, I want to ask you something because I was reading where you serve on the advisory board of Hope Rocks, which is a New York organization yes. that supports those who are struggling with addiction, depression, and social isolation. Uh, how did you get uh, hooked up with uh, Hope Rocks? Well, you know, there's a man in my hometown, Joe DeFino. He, uh, he's a school teacher, and there was a terrible tragedy that happened where he lost one of his students to an opiate overdose and kind of started this whole process of like, how do we destigmatize this stuff and bring out, bring it out to the community and try to just build a community for people going through things like this. I myself am six years sober. And, um, you know, for me, I got into that way of life through music. And then in the end, music helped save me and get me out of it. So it was very music and I go way back, but, um, you know, I, there's not a day that I'm not incredibly grateful and focused on sobriety and helping other people. And Hope Rocks is, it started as a, as a small music festival and has been growing. And it's really one of the only music festivals that's based around this type of stuff. And it really is about destigmatizing and just spreading awareness and building a community for people that are trying to get through that. Yeah, you know, when I hear the word struggling, I always tell people that if someone is struggling, that means they're trying to change. They're trying to get out of that addiction or that way of life. And man, Ian, just just keep helping helping those people and pushing them and uh, and helping them overcome. Because you know we live in a world today where addiction is so real. We see it in the news. Depression. uh, You know we need to be looking for the signs. Uh, of people going through that because, you know, as we know, they put on a mask and social isolation, boy, that must, you know, that's, that was a big one for the two years of the pandemic. And I think it really uh, hurt a lot of people in the areas of their mental health. I think so too. And I think mental health is something that is still uncomfortable for a lot of people to talk about, or it feels like a weakness when it's really just checking. It should be as, as regular as any kind of physical, you know, your mind is, is a whole universe that needs that needs uh, to have its own community around its support and its own health. So, I think that anything we can do to help destigmatize that and get people on a on a healthier communication about their mental health is is good. That's what we yeah, got to do. I absolutely believe that. And so you have been sober for the last six years. Yeah, it's been a long time. <laughs> well, you know, when you said that. And knowing that you have this very unique, distinct voice, the song that literally popped in my head with T. Graham Brown's Wine Into Water. I mm. think if you, I know you don't do too many covers, but I think I'm gonna write voice, it down. your voice is literally perfect for that song because it's emotional. It's a slow paced song, but the message is extremely strong and, you know, that, that could be a new addition to uh, to some of your uh, concert gigs out there. 
Hey, I love that idea. Actually, thank you. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually transpose that after this. <laughs> well, I can tell you one thing. We both know someone who has very close contacts with T. Graham Brown, so there's a duet in making right there as well. There you go, man. You got great <laughs> ideas. You got the best ideas out here. Well, you know, I, you know, who knows? Down the road, we may see an Ian Flanagan uh, duet record, and uh, because I think everybody in country music would just die for the chance to sing with you oh my gosh man well that's that's too kind i would but if anyone's listening i'll be there let's do it so there you go well we know that the brand new album from ian flanagan's coming in september uh what is up next for you and uh any major touring up ahead yeah, right now, this weekend, or next weekend, I'm not sure exactly, but I'm heading to Nebraska for the Comstock Windmill Festival, be opening up for the Frontmen of Country. Uh, Got to get back the next day for CMA Fest here in Nashville on June 9th. So really excited about that, and that's an honor to be involved in. You know, sometimes I think about how 45 minutes south I was working at the trailer park two years before, so it's really an honor. And uh, then, then just a few dates scattered through the Northeast and South and West and wherever they'll, wherever they'll have me. Wow. And I want to thank you for your time, ladies and gentlemen. And for those of you young people out there that watch and are listening, Ian Flanagan is a person that you can learn from. Get out there, chase your dreams, work hard, you know, barter, trade, do whatever you need to do. I mean, just think about it. He was in a trailer park two years and prior, and then coming up, he's going to be at the CMA Fest. But look, he was on NBC's The Voice and rocked this nation from coast to coast. So, ladies and gentlemen, check out more of Ian Flanagan at ianflanagan.com. And you've got to listen and buy that single, Under the Southern Sky. And at the same time, when that brand new album comes out, what do we do? We buy the album, we buy the t-shirt, we buy those concert tickets, because this is how music rolls. Music makes the memories for all of us. And Ian Flanagan is doing just that. We will be right back after this.